This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. So we'll look at the mental health and sex education in schools now and whether enough time is being devoted to it from primary to high school. Katie Fitzpatrick is an Associate Professor of Education at the University of Auckland and the lead writer of Relationship and Sexuality Education Curriculum Policy. Dr Fitzpatrick is an advocate for more sex education in schools, including raising awareness about healthy relationships, consent and gender identity. She says it's important to use the health curriculum to teach students about individual and collective well-being rather than it being the poor cousin of numeracy and literacy. Morena and welcome, Katie. Kia ora, Catherine. So remind us of how the curriculum deals with health education in schools now. What happens at different year levels? Um, it depends on individual schools, but at a national level, the um, health and physical education curriculum is one of seven curriculum areas alongside mathematics, science, um, English, etc., um, and then health education sits sits within that curriculum. Schools have quite a lot of choice right now about how they deliver um, the different curriculum areas and how much time they they allocate. So it really varies from school to school how much time's dedicated to health education. Is it a bit of a catch-all? Is that part of the problem? It's quite broad and a lot of flexibility in what can be discussed under the umbrella. Yeah, possibly. I think I think there's quite a lot of misunderstandings about about what health education is and and the position that it has in schools and in in the curriculum. So I know some schools right now, because well well being of course and mental health is strongly on on the agenda internationally and nationally. And schools are trying to be responsive to this and thinking, how can they support the well-being of their students? And I think some are looking to alternative things and they're looking to interventions and, and one-off um, fixes rather than coming back to the curriculum and saying, actually, there is a really strong place um, for this in, in the New Zealand curriculum and it has a it has a teaching and learning um, place that, that needs to be timetabled and, and given space to and resourced. I, I was talking to a school recently that, that were deciding to timetable um, a lesson a week in wellbeing, which sounds great, but I would prefer them to call that health and wellbeing or health, health education because it, it is actually a curriculum area. It's not an add-on. However, as it stands now, if I'm hearing you correctly, it is not it's not scheduled time, it's not um, in scheduled teaching time necessarily, and is that what you want? You want it to, its status raised? Yeah, it, sh- it should be, and in some schools it has really strong, um, a, a really s- strong scheduled timetabled place, and in others it gets very little time. So it's um, it varies widely between schools. So if we're thinking about relationships and sexuality education, the, the report that the Education Review Office did in 2018 showed that, that a, a large number of schools weren't meeting minimum requirements for the amount of time dedicated to sexuality education, and especially primary schools. I think primary schools tend to go across the curriculum with their learning, so it's not always exactly clear how much time is dedicated because they overlap between curriculum areas and, and do more holistic learning, which is great. But some schools, um, Aero were really struggling to find a primary school that had that was that was kind of best practice example of, of yeah. relationships and sexuality education. 
there's a lot of variation. You're alluding some people sort of bring in outside people to do this. How well prepared, we were talking about how well prepared teachers are to teach science just the other morning and how confidence yep. is a big part of a lot of teachers not teaching science as much as they would or perhaps the way um, ideally it might be taught. Is this a similar issue? Do some teachers lack a sense of preparation or um, you know, skill set for for teaching the subject. Yep, absolutely. And I, I have huge sympathy for those teachers because they have um, an, an enormous task to get their head around different different curriculum areas. And if we're thinking about primary and intermediate um, teachers, there hasn't been any dedicated national professional development in mental health education and sexuality education and drug and alcohol education. There are pockets of, of professional learning opportunities that happen, but it depends whether those schools and teachers and clusters of schools are able to pick those up or whether they've prioritised it. There's been a really strong push in the last 20 years for numeracy and literacy um, at really at the expense of everything else, and I think we need to see a rebalancing of that. So, yes, teachers... Teachers are, a lot of teachers are lacking confidence and up-to-date knowledge in this stuff and they just haven't, it's not their fault, they just haven't had the time, the resourcing and the focus on it to, to be able to access that. The mental health component of this, just how closely aligned are the three things you're talking about here, the sexuality education, drug and alcohol education and the mental health education? What are the, in your lived experience and in your um, you know, professional experience, what are the overlaps? Well, I think if we think about the, the subject of health education and how it's articulated in, in the curriculum, and this has been there since the 1990s, um, it has specific learning areas. So it has mental health as, as, a, as a major learning area and drug and alcohol education fits in there under mental health in, in the current curriculum. And then there's relationships and sexuality education, which used to sort of just be called sexuality ed, and now it's it's been um, it's been sort of broadened a bit to relationships and sexuality, Ed. And then there's food and nutrition education as well. Um, and there's some sort of stuff around body care and physical safety that was that was named in the curriculum as well, which overlaps, I think, with all of those areas. So um, I think one of the misconceptions is that people sort of say, oh, mental health, we need to understand depression or we need to help kids with anxiety. Um, and they an intervention might happen in a school around that one thing, which can be useful, but we forget that there's a curriculum area that, that covers all of that content. But it needs, you know, if you think about the kind of content we're talking about in those areas, there's quite a lot. So you ca it can't be covered in one or two lessons or, you know, the odd talk and assembly. It has to, it really has to have dedicated learning time so that young people can really get to grips with the, the content and the knowledge and the skills that, um, that are, involved in all of those areas. They're asking for this too, right? I mean, we've had petitions and um, you know, I think there was a petition to Parliament for it as well and um, re research also has highlighted the fact the kids themselves w want this. Yep. What, what does it look like when it's done well, Katie? Well, I think in the schools that I've that I've worked in, um, and I can call at Linfield College. I've worked with Kat Wells at, at Linfield College, and, and her and I worked um, on a mental health education resource for teachers a couple of years ago. That that, are, that is in a lot of schools now. Um, it, 
it looks when it when it's looking really good, you can see a combination between a whole school approach. So you've got the whole school sort of sees well-being as on firmly on their agenda. So there's health services available, including counselling for students. The environment's really inclusive. There's kind of safe policies, a strong approach to anti-bullying. There's there's leadership in the school that that actively um, names and values diversity, including gender and sexual diversity. Um, so that's kind of happening in a whole school approach and across even across the curriculum that teachers are talking about health and well-being and how to support students. Um, and that, that doesn't happen overnight. That's, that can be a, a process for student for, for the school. That school will also be engaging their community and including Fano, Hapu and Iwi in, in those kind of decisions and those policies. So I think that's really important. And then you'll see dedicated curriculum time. So you'll see health education holding a strong timetable place. So that will be at least two lessons a week in a high school, say, for year nine and 10 students, and then some also some dedicated learning for senior students outside of the NCEA. So it could be workshops on, um, on intimacy, on pornography, on um, healthy communication and relationships and consent um, on mental health and strategies for well-being. You mentioned the resources. When you look at the complexity of what these kids are dealing with, the pornography, which is a word I don't even like to use anymore because things have moved so far beyond what any of us consider to be, you know, um, traditionally have been pornography and just into often graphic and degrading sexual violence to just call it what it is when you and, and the availability of it and the almost unavoidability of it so much has changed and, and, and are the resources there again for teachers like if a teacher says to you I know this stuff is important but I've got no idea or not I, I don't have the resources to conduct um, in a curriculum sense these sorts of subjects what, what's available to them Katie? I mean, is the off-the-shelf lesson planning available? And again, it's also, it lends itself as being a subject where there's going to be a lot of opinions and a lot of discussion and a lot of discourse, isn't it? You're not standing on a blackboard writing equations. No, that's right. And and the resourcing is really important. In terms of the pedagogy, I think that, it is really important to say that we need discussions and debate and looking at um, at these issues from multiple perspectives because I think one of the fears that parents sometimes have is that if students if, if schools open up this content are they going to tell my student what's right or wrong in this space but when we take a learning approach to health education that it really does allow for a diversity of perspectives and values and for those things to be present in the curriculum I think that's key um, there are quite a lot of resources and there are there are more being developed all of the time. The Family Planning Association have a long history of, of providing resources and professional learning and development for schools, and they continue to do that. Um, the Classification Office are currently working with some folks at the University of Canterbury to develop um, some resources, and it's in collaboration with the Ministry, I think, as well, to, to develop some re some resources on, on pornography and how to deal with kind of explicit sexual content um, in terms of helping young people to think about that, to challenge it, to question it, um, and for younger kids how to be safe around that and, you know, how to talk to talk to people. The, the resource they're developing isn't isn't for primary schools, it's for high schools. But NetSafe have got good some good resources for, for primary schools and um, other spaces. Um, the Mental Health Foundation have, have have always produced resources for for schools in terms of mental health education, and um, they still do. We did one that the resource I mentioned with with Cat Wells and Melinda Weber, 
and some others on health education and whole water is a is 300 pages of of lesson plans for teachers in um in mental health education so so the material um, is know, there the the, the 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 content is there the resources are, are, are there on the shelf anyway how often do you hear from teachers saying where is the time yeah, I think we do need more resources. I don't want to say there are enough resources, but I think there's been a bit more energy in, um, in resource development in the last few years. Um, for teachers, it's it's tricky because um, it, it really depends on, the, on how much the school values it. And I think that we're in a good place right now where schools are seeing the importance of it for their young people because there's all kinds of issues that are coming up. Um, but they sort of need to... to really put their stake in the ground and say we're going to timetable health education and we're going to have a whole school approach to well-being and that does require some kind of change but I do think we need teacher professional learning um, and development as well I don't think resources are enough because teachers need support to think about the various scenarios that can come up what might be triggering for students um, how they can support students through that how they can create safe spaces um, I think that's really important with some of this content that can be really sensitive you mentioned the attitude of the schools that often looks also to the complexity of this sometimes with parents who are very often going to have an interest in uh, how their children are, are, are taught but are particularly uh, is there a particular interest in this subject is that something that schools need to navigate absolutely and schools have a legal requirement to to consult with their communities it's part of the education and training act that they have to consult on health education every two years um, with with their community so Families and communities should actually feel like they have a say and that they can engage. Um, that doesn't mean that 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 the community has the right to say that we don't teach this. It is mandated in the curriculum for, for state schools, but it should absolutely be, be a discussion um, with communities. They should be informed. They should be able to enter conversations about the content. I mean, families are, most of the families that, that I talk to and that there's, that we get feedback from are really keen for this stuff to be taught in schools and they they rightly have an interest in, in how it's taught and, and what kind of content is there so that they can have follow-up conversations with their young people they can provide support for their young people as well um, and sometimes it's easier if something's raised at school parents are really short on time some of these conversations are difficult sometimes we tend to put them aside and think oh I'm not in the mood for that right now um, so if something does get raised at school and a child or young person comes home you know that can be an easy way to start that conversation what do you hear from the students themselves either through research or other means about the adequacy, about what they want and need, and the adequacy of what they get in many cases. Yeah, there's quite there's quite a lot of good um, good feedback from young people on that. You mentioned the petitions to Parliament; they've been they've been really strong. Um, there's quite a lot of research that shows that young people want stuff that's real. They want stuff that connects with with the context that they are engaging with. They want to think about online. There's sort of an assumption that young people can navigate online um, communication and social media really effectively, and lots of young people can, but some really struggle with it and want to know what the strategies are for when they're dealing with online bullying, when there's sexually explicit content, how, you know, that affects their feelings, their emotions, how they feel about other people, how do they manage that, what support's available. Um, a really strong piece of feedback that we got from young people recently was that they want to be taught strategies to support each other. So 
we know when when young people and actually most people have moments of distress and um, intense mental distress that often they don't think straight away to go to a counsellor or to go to a medical professional. Often people go to their friends first and their friends are there and young people want to know how can I support my friends at this moment? What can I do? What are the strategies? How can I help them to, to get help? How do I even know if they need um, extra help or whether there's some support strategies that friends can can implement for each other. So that was a really important piece of feedback, I think, that um, we need to learn really important communication, interpersonal skills, help-seeking. Are you also setting a hit directly to the ministry, though, um, to try and ensure there is more consistency and ultimately universality in how this is done? And is there a means by which they can do that? Yeah, and I think I think we're we're seeing a move potentially in that direction at a national level. So we're going to have a New Zealand history curriculum that's compulsory. So I think that raises some some questions for our country about what else is compulsory or not compulsory in our schools, and what are the issues when things are compulsory if they're not done well? That's an issue. So we need lots of support. I think I think we need to have a national discussion about what other curriculum areas are compulsory. Is it okay for schools to just not teach anything about relationships and sexuality? Is it okay for schools to ignore mental health? I don't think it is. Um, and I don't think a lot of schools think it is either. But I think it's time that that we definitely had that discussion. I think the ministry have have backed off from from doing dedicated professional learning and development with teachers. Um, they have produced some good resources, and we have strong policy. So I think it's time to think about what what professional learning is available for teachers as well. Katie, thank you, Katie Fitzpatrick.